This is Reverend Kirk Lawton, minister at Ocean Lakes Family Campground, and this is our podcast. Our prayer is that this message may enrich your life as you find God especially meaningful to you. Thank you for worshiping with us. How many of the things in your childhood do you remember? It may be that you remember some of the bad things that have happened to you, but Perhaps you also remember some good things. One of my fond memories of my early childhood were those days when we used to go to vacation Bible school in the summer. I remember one year when we had as our scripture memory assignment the task of memorizing the entire Ten Commandments. (coughs) The one who was our teacher that year was trying his best to help us remember these verses. He repeated them over and over to us, trying to drill them into our minds. He said, Thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor. Then he finally came to the tenth commandment. He said, Thou shalt not covet. And this was fine, except for the fact that that's not what God said to us in the Ten Commandments. In 1 Corinthians 12, uh, verse 31, The last verse, God tells us, but covet earnestly the best gifts. God is telling us here that we are to desire, to seek, to grasp the best gifts. Of course, we have to realize when we speak of the best gifts that every good and perfect gift is from above. And there's no good thing that we have, but that it comes from above, from God. But there is one gift which none of us take full advantage of, I'm fear. It's too often something which is regarded very lightly and superficially. So I want us to think for a few moments this morning on this gift, the gift of prayer. In Revelation 3, verse 20, we read these words, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and sup with him and he with me. I doubt that there's any passage in the entire Bible that throws more light upon prayer than does this verse. This passage is the key that opens the door into that holy and blessed realm of prayer. What does prayer mean? What is it? What does it do for us? First, let me say that to pray is to let Jesus come into our hearts. This teaches us it's not our prayer that moves the Lord Jesus. It's he who moves us to pray. He knocks. He takes the initiative and there makes known his desire to come in. Our prayers are always a result of Jesus knocking at our heart's door. In Isaiah 65, verse 24, we read, Before they call, I will answer. And while they're yet speaking, I will hear. Somebody has said that prayer is the breath of the soul. This is an excellent figure of speech, I think. You know, there are a lot of ways a person can, theoretically, can commit suicide. But there's one way in which I have been told it is utterly impossible to take one's own life. This is just by holding your breath voluntarily until you suffocate. Air is constantly around us. The person who tries to die by holding his breath or her breath may indeed hold breath until they black out. But when that resistance is relaxed, the person will begin breathing once again and life will return to that person. 
Just as the air is constantly around us, so the, the air our souls need is constantly around us too. And the never-failing presence of God's Spirit. God is always ready with His all-sufficient grace. If we but open our hearts, stop our resistance, let Him come in, as He says He will sup with us. In biblical language, the common meal is a symbol of intimacy and joyous fellowship. And so God has designed prayer as a means of intimacy and joyous fellowship between human beings and God. To pray is not only to let Jesus come into our hearts, but also it's to allow God to do for us what we cannot do for ourselves. The results of prayer are not dependent upon the power of the one who prays. Our intense emotions, our anxious desires, our clear understanding of God's will, these are not reasons why prayer will be heard and answered. God realized that we are all dust. He knows our frame. And this is why He's designed prayer in such a way that even the most impotent, the, the most feeble, can take advantage of it. You remember when Israel sinned against God in the wilderness as they were coming out of Egypt, going to the the promised land. God sent fiery serpents to the people to punish them. They had disobeyed. They had turned against God, against Moses. And these fiery snakes were sent to punish them. In their distress, the people humbled themselves. They cried out to God for mercy. And the Lord did have mercy on them, but he did not take away the serpents, the snakes. Instead, what he did was to tell Moses to erect a serpent made out of brass and to place that right in the middle of their camp so that everyone could see it. Then God ordered those who had been, been bitten by the snakes to turn and look at this serpent of brass and they'd be healed. This was a gracious thing indeed for God to do. Just suppose God had said that those who were bitten had to drag themselves over and touch that brass snake to be healed. Well, many of them would never live long enough to do that. No, all they had to do was to look, and they were healed. The poison in those snakes was so deadly that many of them were able to walk only a few steps before they fell down, paralyzed. And the same kind of way that God dealt with those wayward Israelites, so God deals with us. When we look to Jesus, we find help just at the point of our need. In John chapter 3, verses 14 and 15, we read, As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in him may not perish, but have eternal life. No matter what distress we may have, distress of body, mind, soul, or whatever, all we must do is to look to Jesus, who is always near with that healing power, which can overcome the death-dealing poison of sin. As it was with those children of Israel, so it is with us. We must look to Jesus. Let me say a third thing about prayer. To pray is to love. Did you know it's impossible for us to approach the throne of grace without love in our hearts? Since prayer is allowing God to come into our hearts, and since God is love, then our prayer has to come from a heart of love. 
love toward God and love toward our fellow man. Just think of the vast change there would be in our world if all the Christians only had this Christ-like love in our hearts for those with whom we come into contact. You know, we're all the people who think very quickly. Even as we pass by a person on the street, we have time to think some critical thing about that person. It may take place almost automatically before we're even aware of it. Just think of what could happen if we would allow the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with love to the extent that upon meeting somebody, we would lift our hearts in prayer to God for that person. If this were to if this were the case among the people even who are listening to my voice right now, we'd be able to do far more for Christ than we're now doing. So often when we lay our eyes upon another person, we see him or her in almost any light except the one that we should. We think, uh, what does this person mean to me? Uh, is this person a chance for me to make some money? Is this person an avenue, av avenue toward political advantage for me? Will knowing this person uh, help elevate me on the social level? We cannot truly pray unless we are prepared to love. For to pray is to love. Oh, so much can be said about this gift of prayer. And what I've said this morning is just a small inkling of some truth about this. Concerning the gift of prayer, these words have been all too inadequate. Surely there are many more ways in which we all need to examine ourselves and see if we are utilizing this gift of prayer to the fullest extent. I have a book that was purchased probably back when I was in college by Dr. O.C. Hallisby. Uh, the, his title of his book is simply one word, prayer. And in this book he says, prayer is something deeper than words. It is present in the soul before it has been formulated in words. And it abides in the soul after the last words of prayer have passed over our lips. Prayer is an attitude of our hearts, attitude of the mind. Prayer is a definite attitude of our hearts toward God, an attitude which he in heaven immediately recognizes as prayer, as an appeal to his heart. We don't have to have fancy words and beautiful phrases for God to hear us. Words that never cross over our lips can be sometimes the most beautiful prayer that God ever hears. But God also wants us to express to him the prayer that we feel in our hearts. What is prayer? The poet has said prayer is the soul's sincere desire, unuttered or expressed, the motion of a hidden fire that trembles in the breast. Prayer is the burden of a sigh, the falling of a tear, the upward glancing of an eye when none but God is near. Prayer is the simplest form of speech that infant lips can try. Prayer, the sublimest strains that reach the majesty on high. Prayer is the Christian's vital breath, the Christian's native air, his watchword at the gates of death. He enters heaven with prayer. The saints in prayer appear as one in words and deeds and mind, where with the Father and the Son sweet fellowship they find. Nor prayer is made by man alone. The Holy Spirit pleads, and Jesus on the eternal throne for sinners intercedes.
No, we're not to covet those things which others may have in terms of material possessions, but we are to covet the best gifts. And surely the best gift that God has ever given to us would include this marvelous avenue whereby we come to Him through prayer. Do not covet what other people have, but do covet the gift of prayer. O Thou by whom we come to God, the life, the truth, the way, the path of prayer yourself you've trod. Lord, teach us how to pray. We ask this in the name of the one to whom we pray, Jesus our Savior. Amen.